So today's program is all about education, as we normally uh, have, and we've got a very special guest, John Shepherd from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. He's going to be explaining to us a lot about what's going on when it comes to all of that data. Now, there's a huge amount of data that's available for us, and as your business grows, you're often reminded to remember and learn who your ideal client is and research this with gusto until you have the perfect image in your mind as to who they are and what makes them tick. We normally get this information from anecdotal experiences or professional associations or conversations with other businesses. But what about your ideal location, business to business details, demographics, political persuasion, customs, habits, social media use? Wouldn't it be great to help you with your marketing strategy? But where can you find that information? Now, luckily, there's a government department who are real boffins when it comes to collecting, analysing, delivering this sort of data. And it's an also an important part of policy decisions as well. Um, it's time that we welcome John Shepherd, the General Manager of Industry Statistics Division at the ABS, the Australian Bureau of Statistics, to explain how and why we should tap into this goldmine of data. Welcome to the program, John. Thanks, Alexi. Cheers, the weather sounds. I wish I was in Hornsby today. The weather sounds divine. <laughs> You're in Canberra, so let me guess. Cold? Yeah. Cold cooler, and wet? Cooler than Sydney, but don't have that traffic report that you had. Ah, uh, this is true, exactly. Because <laughs> everything just goes round in circles in those roundabouts, right? That's, that's exactly right, smoothly. <laughs> now, last time we had you on the program, you were, of course, with the Australian Taxation Office. And now with your new role at the ABS, you're really keen to explain to small businesses how that we can tap into that great data set that's available to us. Because I think it's really fascinating. We can really drill down into this information now. It's not just about national statistics, about jobs and all this other stuff. There's a hell of a lot there to, um, I guess, to access and to help build your business with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, keen to talk a bit about some of the new products, et cetera, there today. But, yeah, there's some great products that are um, on our website and I'll talk a bit more about how to access those. Fantastic. So let's talk about the here and the now, of course, COVID-19. What sort of changes has the Australian Bureau of Statistics made in response to that COVID-19 situation? Um, what we saw with COVID-19 was a real a real need for some more um, contemporary real-time data um, to help policymakers, help Treasury, help um, government make some of the difficult and challenging decisions that they had to make around helping um, with things like you said, like jobs, um, helping businesses in terms of um, understanding um, what they need to do in respect of restrictions, etc. So um, we've done a range of things. So although, as you mentioned, we have our long-standing statistics, things like national accounts that are run quarterly, um, we've just released the March quarter in the last couple of weeks, which you may have seen. Um, obviously, there's some lags um, by the time we go through those very large collection exercises and process all of that data and, and put that into the national accounts framework. Um, so what we saw was the need for some more urgent things that actually brought data out quicker. And a few good examples are um, on our preliminary, sorry, our retail trade statistics that come out each month. Um, we've started releasing a preliminary release of those two weeks early. So last Friday, um, we released the May, prelimin um, May preliminary retail trade statistics, which was just three weeks after um, the period, which, as I said, is a lot quicker. Mm. Um, we've introduced some rapid surveys, so both for households and for business to really understand, and we're running those every two or three weeks. Um, and that's, again, to understand what's changing. And we're able to change the questions on those each time to really pick up on, because particularly, you know, a good example, as things started with COVID-19, the restrictions changed quite quickly. So we found we were doing a survey in the field, collecting, calling people, collecting data, um, and then really the lockdown happened. So we stopped that survey, um, put out a release, said what was happening in that period, and then looked at what were the next set of questions. So we had to be kind of quite adaptive. 
Um, and the third example is um, we've started putting out a fortnightly jobs and wages um, series. Um, and that's using, excitingly, that's using the single-touch payroll data that, um, you know, I'm a little bit familiar with and, and what's reported to the tax office by employers every payday. So, um, and the good thing about that is that's a huge data set, um, over 700,000 employers now reporting, and that allows us to break the data down into regions, lower, um, smaller regions, um, and also industry and sub-industry, which is what people want to see. And I think that's really interesting is that finally we've got those stat- statistics that are coming out of one uh, government um, uh, you know, administrative juggernaut into another. You're actually starting to communicate a little bit better and use those tools and those statistics, not just to gather information from businesses on a one-on-one basis, but actually use it as a tool for surveys and statistics and, and to drive policy. Absolutely. And that was always kind of the long-term plan to, to start with tax and super systems. And, and that's been really achieved. And then moving to being able to, over time, reduce the burden, not only get more timely data from business, but also um, over time reduce the burden of surveys where we can pick that data up. And we've worked quite closely with the tax office and really appreciated their support. Talk to me through about the collection of that data. You mentioned, obviously, STP, and we should all be reporting on time and, and doing things at a, on a timely manner, and then that, ga- that data is gathered. But in other way, what other ways does the ABS gather information from businesses? Um, look, we are known as um, for our surveys. So um, although um, we do pick up um, a whole lot of different administrative data now from both private sector and government organisations, recently we've been getting some transaction data from the banks um, to really, again, understand what's happening. Um, but, yeah, on the survey front, um, we do do um, surveys of households and of businesses um, and a range of different ones of those. And um, they can they can happen in a few different ways. They can be um, – you can receive a survey. Generally, you'll get a letter saying you've been selected into a survey and then you would um, give some log-on details to create an account online through our website um, and then basically um, enter your data through an online survey. Those recent um, survey, uh, the other ones that we, we do are household um, visits for some of the longer household surveys. You might have someone visit your house. Um, at the moment, we've put those on hold because of the safety you know, issues around COVID. Um, so we've actually been resorting a bit more to phone surveys as well. And those business and household rapid surveys I mentioned have been collected through phone calls. Um- is it compulsory for a business to uh, take part of a survey if they get one of these letters? Or an, is, I assume it's just letters in the post or is it emails? Or um, It'll generally be a letter to start with, but you may get an email reminder um, or an email follow-up or you may get an email saying you're about to get a survey. So we do use emails a bit more now um, because that's obviously a medium people are more familiar with. But for most of those online surveys, you will also still get a letter um, and we're working on that in the future where that may change. Um so um, basically you'll get that. Um, you then need to log on, as I said, to our website and complete basically the survey um, that you've been selected in. Do you have to? Oh, sorry, yeah, that was the other question, wasn't it? <laughs> Do you have I knew there was another question there. Um, generally, yes. I will say yes because, you know, there is um, a, and the Act actually requires people and there are fines um, for non-compliance, so it's under the Census and Statistics Act, um, just, just recognises the importance of gathering that data. Mm. Occasionally, we will do a survey where we say to you that it's voluntary, um, um, but most cases you'll see that um, the communication you get for that spells out um, that it's compulsory. So let's talk about some of those insights that all of that data gathering actually gives us. Um, and we're going to talk about some, you know, what, what's KB? Uh, is it KB? Cabby? How do you guys pronounce it? C-A-B-E-E. 
uh, cabbie. Cabbie, we talk about it. So it's actually the counts um, of businesses um, in Australia. Um, count, and I can't tell the actual acronym, full acronym spell out. But what we do is, again, working with the tax office, we do get a lot of data there from the tax office and the Australian Business Register um, and some other admin data from the tax office. And every year we put out a publication, which is the official count um, of businesses in Australia. Um, and we actually break that down um, by size. So um, we can say how many um, small businesses there are, um, how many employing businesses, um, and um, also the industry breakdowns on that data as well. So um, it's a great source to go to as the, um, you know, as the kind of key source of truth for business numbers. And I, I think the other feature of small business, which your um, listeners will be well aware of, is there's many, many definitions of small business. Ah, uh, yes, um, one of my favourite, one of my favourite um, catnip questions. Absolutely. So, look, I think with Cabby, it actually really just looks at some different breakdowns. So, regardless of your definition, uh, we capture all um, business count, the business count of all businesses in Australia. Um, and as I said, broken into whether they employ or not, but also by number of employees and turnover and other measures. Um, talk about how they break down. Could I just ask you about that? Because I think that this is one of the things that policymakers at all levels kind of trip over themselves a little bit is that we don't have that centralised definition of what a small business is. Therefore, different businesses or different size businesses or turnover might fall into different categories um, when it comes to policy making decisions. Is this an important tool that will be used more and more to help centralise that a little bit? Because I think that people can really get confused about whether they actually fall under the category of a small business. Um, I think unfortunately, or I say unfortunately or maybe fortunately, the actual measure of small business does change for different purposes. So um, the recent example is the one about um, payment in um, the government announcement, I think last year, about paying small businesses um, in five days. And um, again, um, that's an interesting one about how that gets defined as a small business. And that one, I think they're talking, you know, the talk was actually going to define yourself as a small business under that measure. Um, but... Um, depending, again, things like the, um, the incident asset write-off. Um, again, that threshold moves around depending on how far the government wants to stretch that colleague partner policy assistance. So mm. I think the important thing for us is to be able to cater for different sizes of business. For STP, we talked about small as um, being less than 19 or fewer employees. Um, and that was a lot of that was around um, the prevalence of payroll software. Um, and indeed, it drops away as you get into that kind of small business uh, it, at the time it did, I think that's kind of picked up quite a lot now. Mm. But um, at the time it really dropped away and for 20 or more it took you into kind of a different sophistication with your software and other things. So when you talk about the counts of Australian businesses, are you including anybody who's registering or exiting out of having an ABN because even, even sole traders or are you just talking about companies who are registered companies that fall under that cabbie list? Um, no, it's, it's all ABNs, so um, it's accounts of Australian business, and I and I will give you the, the it's entries and exits is the two E's, so including entries and exits over the period. Um, so um, yeah, it does break all of that down, um, and and it does base it, as I said, off the ABN from the Australian Business Register. And I know that that they does that on based on locality as well. So if you're a business to business, you know, business, <laughs> and you're working yeah. with other businesses, that can be some really valuable information that you can find out in your area about businesses that might fall under the category that you're aiming for. Absolutely. No, absolutely right. And there's some other tools, which I'll talk again a bit about further on our website, which mm -hmm. actually um, allows you to look at all of the different data we have in your local region. 
Now, I want to ask you about that high-level info that the ABS collects um, and the way that small businesses can actually use it. Uh, and there's yeah. data and statistics. It feels as though there's a lot of information out there. How can small businesses peel back the layer and actually drill down to get the information that they want? Um, I think the first thing I'd say is to actually, um, oh, and I'll give a couple of examples, but um, don't be afraid of our website. And our government websites can be scary, um, and um, particularly when they've got a lot of information in there. So, um, but, but I, I would just suggest going to the um, ABS um, website and basically having a bit of a browse around what's on that front screen. Um, there's a lot of great information accessible, including our recent releases. There's a release just, and I would just suggest in the first instance to have a bit of a look through what's come out in the last month. Um, if you go to the front page, it'll show you um, there's a button to say recent releases and you can just scroll your way through and just dip into. And each of those releases has um, a number of tabs in there. It usually has, um, often it'll have a media release that was released with the release, which is a nice summary of some of the key features, you know, or some of the key highlights. Um, but then it'll generally have a publication that actually goes through all the different data that was actually um, collected and what we made of it in terms of what does it mean, what are the comparisons to the same time last year, mm. what are the comparisons to the previous month, etc. Um, and I'll just highlight a couple of examples of those very recent ones, which you will see from the front page, I think, still, if you have a look soon enough. Um, I mentioned our preliminary retail trade release that came out on Friday, um, and that was for the May period. Um, and I don't know if you saw the news that night, but it was actually the chart that was up on ABC News that showed the kind of thing that looked like an ECG in terms of jumping up and down a bit. <laughs> Everything's jumping a, up and down at the moment. Usually our retail trade release, our, my team were telling me, is actually, it's a pretty steady, you know, pretty steady kind of thing, retail trade. But the last three months, it's kind of gone um, up with all the panic buying down then once everyone didn't need to buy anything and now back up again as the restrictions were lifted. So quite fascinating, actually, um, studying of economic statistics and things at the moment. So um, it's a very interesting period. So um, on that one, um, retail turnover rose 16.3% on that, and again, noting that's preliminary in May, um, seasonally adjusted, um, so which means that um, looking at, you know, taking out all of that seasonality, so looking at the same kind of time last year, mm. um, and that's the largest seasonally adjusted rise ever published in 38 years of the Retail Trade Survey, which is kind of interesting. Um, following the largest ever seasonally adjusted fall in April, which was 17% dip. So they're quite significant rises and falls for small business. Um, you know, and this, this survey is collected from a mix of larger businesses and small retailers as well. There's some small retailers as well in there. Um, but basically it was driven, that big rise was driven by large rises in clothing, footwear and personal accessory retailing um, and cafes, restaurants and takeaway food services picking up as the restrictions were lifted. So you can um, drill down also, into those things. You can really find absolutely. out what it is that people are buying at the time. Absolutely. What? Just out of curiosity, because this is a great example of where, say, retailers who are thinking about pivoting quickly need to know yep. that sort of data. How quickly were you able to turn around that survey and release it and... Yes, and small business needs to be on the, on understanding when those releases are happening, right? Absolutely. So that comes out about three weeks now after the reference period. And the reference period was, um, in this case, May. 
So it was out on Friday, which was the 19th of June. Mm -hmm. So it is quite quick in terms of our usual cycles. Mm. Um, And you're right, you can drill down. It's quite useful. Um, The other one I was going to just mention was it also calls out large rises in household goods retailing, where retailers reported increase in spending relating to homes, furniture, home entertainment, home offices and home improvement. What a surprise. Everyone's doing jobs at home. So, um, yeah, it does. And it does also talk about the levels in liquor retailing remaining high. Again, probably not a surprise but um, some of those things you will see, we have seen reported a bit, but there is some really interesting insights in that example, I think, to be garnered from not just those, you know, highest rises, mm. but what are some of the things, it does list all of those different things in terms of where the, the growth or um, the drop is in some cases as well. So for a small business, understanding what's going on if you're in the retail business, um, great source of information there as well. Can you give um, me another example where, aside from retail, um, a business might be able to tap into those sort of um, uh, household statistics like the household buying and selling? I mean, apart from the COVID situation, what other yep. interesting statistics have we found that might help a particular sector, for example? Um, in terms of um, our timely um, statistics, you mentioned the COVID data. There is that rapid survey, which actually you know starts to talk about some of those household behaviours in terms of social distancing and you know, where they, you know, whether they're comfortable, some of the health questions and things like that on there. Um, but there's also some, you know, fairly detailed releases you can find in there in our household surveys about um, buying patterns. There's also our, um, um, our um, data we put out in terms of the supermarkets, what's actually been purchased in the supermarkets, et cetera, as well. We get supermarket scanning data. Um, and that also actually helps in terms of actually understand household patterns in purchases and things like that. Mm. So um, there's quite a few different angles you can take to this, um, but certainly there's some very comprehensive um, surveys on the household front. Some of those aren't as timely, though, as, as some of these COVID kind of releases, which are really you know going out every couple of weeks and giving a sense of what's happening. So if you're looking to move quickly, um, it's great to actually look at some of this really recent data that comes out. Mm. Um You know, the other one I was going to talk about, or two other ones, one, I mentioned the jobs and wages data. So, you know, it highlights those industries most impacted um, by the um, COVID situation in terms of jobs. And again, you know, the decrease, big decreases in jobs in things like accommodation and food services at nearly 30%. Um, Arts and recreation decreased by 26% since COVID um, really got going. Um, so, again, there's some really lo- much lower level detail in those about those sub-industries, sub-regions because of the size of that STP data set. We can really break it down, whereas on the COVID um, collections, they're much smaller samples because they're survey-based, mm. and that means there's a limit to how far we can extrapolate some of the findings because we'll only have a small selection at a regional level. There'll be selections there, but they won't be really large enough to draw you know, big, big assumptions from. So... Um, and I think the other one around region you mentioned is um, the data by region product. Mm, which I is love a that really, one. That's really exciting. Absolutely. So from our front page of our website, again, you can see down the bottom, there's a link through to data by region and it allows you every um, periodically, I think it's every six months, we actually aggregate a whole lot of our data um, in that product so that you can go in and look at your local region. It includes a lot of census data. Um, and of course, the census is running again next year. Um, and so um, it does give you a really good insight into incomes and um, expenditure and a whole bunch of different behaviours 
in your local area um, quite down to and it's got nice interactive maps and things as well mm. and that's probably another thing I should have mentioned as part of this COVID period we've actually increased the use of things like interactive maps across our data sets which just means that it's you can click on a map and actually drill down on um, and look at your local area quite easily and actually pick up some of the information for people who are a bit more visual or like to explore things through a map. Yeah, and that's and that's so important because that's that's where we operate in, in many cases with small business. We operate locally, but we also operate globally and we, we talk about growth as well. I want to, um, we're just going to take a quick break here and go to some community service announcements. But when we come back, I want to talk to you more about why those jobs figures are so important when you're planning and you're doing some uh, business growth planning well into the future. We're just going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters and we'll be back after this. Welcome back to Triple H 100.1 FM. You're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd and we are in the midst of a fascinating discussion with the Australian Bureau of Statistics. We've got John Shepherd on the line and he's explaining to us why the ABS data is a really fantastic resource for small business and how to access it. Now, just before the break, we were speaking in relation to uh, the different types of ways that you can drill down into that data, especially around locality, because so many small businesses work at a local level. But many of us, of course, work on a global stage these days and we are thinking not just about the now and the fact that we're in a little bit of a stagnation or possibly even losing our business, but what about when we come out of this, when we grow? And one of the main aspects that you're going to grow in your business is through employment. So um, I guess employment data has been one of the strengths of uh, the ABS for a number of years and now you've got that extra boost with having access to the STP data from the ATO. Why is it important that a small business needs to be abreast of what's going on with employment data and unemployment and that sort of thing, John? Uh, look, um, certainly it's a good indicator, um, both in terms of what industries are obviously not going so good or going really well and thriving and growing. And, um, we have a very detailed um, labour release as well, which has a whole lot more good contextual information. Um, and obviously we put out the unemployment figures and all those sort of things. So there's a whole package of employment data um, which really is a strong indicator for um, of how the economy is going in certain sectors and in certain regions. Um, it's also important, I think, from understanding now where jobs have been lost. If you're looking to grow your business and take, you know, and actually look at pivoting into a particular way or buying another business, you can really get a quick view here of what industries have actually lost jobs and also what locations have actually lost the most jobs. So they, you know, would give a bit of a lead into where the skilled workforce, um, you could pick up some skilled workforce, I think. And in, in terms of those um, job numbers, that's a really important part of the way the ABS um, helps policymakers make those decisions around employment growth and I guess all the, trickling all the way down to Centrelink payments and a whole, a whole lot of other things. Is there, are there other ways that the ABS data helps drive policy or is that, you know, is that ma the main way that the government is keeping a finger on the pulse of the economy through the ABS data? Um, government very keen users. Obviously, there's lots and lots of data out there. People we're seeing on the news, not just from the ABS, from a whole bunch of different people putting out different data sets, but certainly the government and the other public, um, Treasury and the PMC and um, the Reserve Bank indeed are actually very keen observers of what comes out of ABS statistics um, and things like um, the JobKeeper program, which everyone's quite familiar with, very much understanding what's going on and how impactful that is, is being informed now by this um, job and wages um, real-time data because every fortnight we're able to put out another release about have we turned the corner, for example, in certain industries, is it still dropping? We not, we not only show jobs and wages as they've um, dropped 
from the initial, um, the start of COVID period, but week to week, what's the change? And we're able to highlight week to week changes that are actually occurring, which means that when government are doing things like JobKeeper or making changes, if they decide to make changes to JobKeeper, they'll be able to actually see fairly quickly whether that's actually having the right impact or whether, you know, certain industries continue to kind of go backwards in there. So um, that's, that's, you know, very keenly looking at that. Things like the Reserve Bank, obviously, um, in their setting of um, monetary policy, also very keenly observers of how the economy is going. Um, they're looking more and more for some of these kind of indicators that are coming out and not waiting until the June quarter national accounts, which will come out in September. They'll be looking for leads far sooner than that. And again, importantly, jobs give a really good indication to um, what's happening for business and particularly smaller businesses. And could I ask you just out of a curiosity, is, is the ABS a bit of a, um, a holder of all that historical data, the statistics around COVID cases and um, where, where they're weathering the storm or, or coming out of it or having a second wave or all those statistics that are around? I guess they're holding that at the moment, but then later on that will be gathered up by the ABS and used historically as from years to come? Um, only for those things that we um, put out and collect. So we don't collect data from other releases from other um, government organisations, but we do pick up a lot of data um, through our analysis, etc. Mm. Um, the other point I'll make is actually, interestingly, I've noticed, i found certainly since I've been at the ABS, there's a really strong international community of national statistics organisations who meet still quite regularly, and we've been doing that at the moment through video calls and things, because everyone around the world's dealing with this um, dilemma. And although we're at slightly different stages, it's just um, the, the way statistical organisations, we all have this, we all measure the same sort of things. It's all very standardised. And so um, just about every organisation, um, a lot of them are now moving to do business, COVID business surveys, real-time surveys. Um, they're doing stuff to try and get out more regular indicators. So mm. there's a lot of learning that happens between those organisations around the world and a lot of sharing, um, which is really importantly part of that. And the reason that's, um, another reason that's so important is the comparability so that we can actually compare our our indicators to others around how other countries are going and obviously the, you know the key one everyone's aware of there is things like gdp yes. you know is a real comparison point you know yeah. for for countries around the world well people are a little bit obsessed with data at the moment when it comes to covid we're going to take a quick break here on small biz matters for the news when we come back after the break we're going to talk a little bit more with john about some real life um statistical information that's made a difference to small business out there. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Triple H 100.1 FM. You're listening to Alexi Boyd and Small Biz Matters. It's such an important topic that we've gone over the time and we are speaking to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, John Shepherd, all about the ways that small business can access this data and help them grow. So just before the break, we were speaking a little bit about the different ways that the ABS collects data and uh, a particular in indicator, which is um, employment data, which can, you know, can help a business grow. It can help you understand what's happening in your industry in a particular area. And it's all about learning how these statistics can make a difference to your business. The only way you're going to do that is by jumping onto the ABS website, drilling down into the information that matters to you, and then you can actually subscribe to specific information that comes out. So, John, one of the things we hear from the ABS a lot is this word business indicators. Can you give us some definition around that and why small business needs to be aware of it? Absolutely. So um, we do have a, um, a regular business indicators release as well. We do a quarterly survey, you know, quite a decent sized survey of business in Australia, which includes a good sample of, you know, of small business in there as well. Um, 
And some of the interesting ways I know that a business owner can look that is to actually look at how they benchmark against other similar businesses, for example, in their industry. So um, they can look at that release. Um, There's actually a catalogue number here, which catalogue number 5676. But if you have a look through the business data, as I said, have a browse, don't be afraid. Um, Business Indicators Australia from December, um, I think was the last release that's actually up on our website there. Um, And it has things like income from goods and services, the book value of inventory, gross operating profits and things like wages and salaries. Um, and while I'm on wages and salaries, there's there are also products there like our employee earnings and hours releases as well. If you're wondering whether or not, you know, you're paying a competitive rate, you might be paying award, but you might be worried that in your particular industry you're not paying competitive, you know, wages or your employees telling you that, um, that you need to pay them more. So you can look at our employee earnings and hours product, which a lot of people do to just check within again a particular industry whether or not they're actually competitive on that front. Um, and the other one is um, we also have data there um, in our website um, on imports and exports. So our merchandise trade, we actually get release release data from the um, from Australian Customs, and we actually measure all of the goods coming in and out of our ports, basically as well by category, and that's categorised down to quite a low level. So there's an amazing array of data there um, that comes out. Um, and again, there's preliminary releases of that coming out at the moment, again, within three or four weeks of the month, saying what are all the different, you know, goods that are spiking in terms of things that are coming out or in at the moment. I think they're both neither spiking too much. There's not a lot spiking. They're probably going the other way. But it's a really good read on the sort of exports, what's the kind of top exports and things um, that are coming in and out of the country. So, um, And we also do a bit of a measure of services, um, exports and imports as well. So such lots of really impo- interesting data. Yeah, and such an important indicator these days when we're all looking at the global market in which we operate. It's not just about, you know, exporting and importing electrical goods, which is what you sort of think of, but actually services. I love the fact that you're also looking at that data because um, a lot of the services that we export are produced here essentially but exported overseas or it, it's a really we, fascinating and tourism tourism right? of so course. There's, there's a lot of measure there around tourism which again at the moment we're not exporting a whole lot of unfortunately but um, again very keen to get back to doing that obviously can you give me an example of where small business has really successfully used um, data from the abs to help grow their business uh, look, um, probably a good question for some of your accountant visitors, et cetera, as well there. But look, um, I will talk a bit about it. Look, I interact a little bit with obviously outside of work with a lot of different people. And um, I had a call recently from um, a lady who was part of the business that installed um, solar panels on my house earlier in the year. So it was actually a fascinating. She actually had discovered that I worked at ABS. She was very keen on data and very interested in statistics. Um, so um, I actually was able to send her um, a publication we've done on um, renewable energy jobs in renewable energy sector um, that we released recently, which she was very chuffed about um, and trying to get in a sense. And that was quite particular, obviously, to an industry that she was pretty passionate about. But it was also interesting just to see how she reacted to... She hadn't actually had an ABS survey or hadn't seen an ABS survey come in and she actually received a survey a couple of weeks ago and gave me a call. Um, and interestingly, her first reaction was, how do I know that this is legit? It looks a bit, you know, dodgy, so... Um, can you tell me, is this how these surveys come out? Because I've actually received um, an email um, and um, I want to check that it's legit. Um, and I was able to advise her, you know, that if she's got any concern at all, there's a number she can call, which is the ABS General Inquiry number, which again, you'll be able to get to our website, but 1300 135 070. 
Um, and again, same as if someone calls you and you're not sure whether they're actually from the ABS, um, even though they say they are, you can always get the um, survey number, the number of the survey that you've been asked to complete, and then ring back our inquiry line and get put back through to be able to complete that over the phone still. So really important, I guess, in this time of scams and people be getting a bit nervous. But as I said, mostly we will actually write out with a letter in the first instance, or you'll get something official from the ABS. But if, if in doubt, certainly do that. Um, but this lady was interesting. She actually received the survey. Um, she was not familiar because, again, um, you might wonder why a business, and again, I'm interested from your listeners how many, how often they've had surveys, but we try not to survey small business um, all that much. We do have small business in our selections. Um, obviously, small business makes up a massive amount of all businesses, um, but what that means is that we just, we do need a sample in most cases, so we're representative of small and large business. But we tend not to go to a lot of small businesses because we are quite mindful of the burden that that creates um, and particularly small business recognising they don't have a lot of resources like larger businesses do to complete surveys for them. But, you know, the initial reaction for some is, what's this? I don't know what it is. Um, how do I go about it? Um, do I have to do it, as we talked about earlier? Um, is it compulsory? Um, and then in this case, lady said, oh, it's some of this data, this is um, around wage data and things. I'm reporting this through STP. And, and, and as I said earlier, that's kind of our intention to be able to start to reduce some of those questions over time. Mm. Um, and the amount of people we have to ask once we start to, you know, we really get our head around and using that STP data um, mm. to replace some of the surveying we do. But, yeah, it's just an interesting story, I think, from all those different aspects of I've got a survey and don't know what to do with it to I love the ABS, what great data you guys have, and, and I can use this in kind of all sorts of useful ways. And it's a way that small business, again, it's a good idea to just get in there and just start exploring all of the data, make some notes. Um, and you mentioned before that there's you can uh, actually subscribe to certain releases. So you work out That's what's right. the most pertinent information for your business and then you can ask to have that information, you know, you, you get the, the notification that it's out and ready to, to browse. Um, and that's something you can do through, what, just an email um, section of the website? Um, I think it's in each release itself. There's an ability to just subscribe um, and then you can basically, um, you know, pick to get that sent to you. Like a release, you've had a look at it, go, actually, I want to get that every month or yeah. every quarter whenever it comes out. I don't have to remember to go looking for the latest one. So that's actually fairly easy. And that was around those business indicators. So if you are interested in employment, perhaps, and then you can drill down into your region or you're interested in imports, exports data, or yep. you're interested in, um, you know, uh, the, the, um, the changes in wages and the fluctuations for the employ employees that you're looking after. So there's actually quite a lot of data sets there. It's a good Absolutely. idea. Absolutely. Demographic data yes. you know, for your potential business customers, things like CPI data. We measure, obviously, the CPI index in terms of indexing your salary and wages and things like that. Mm. Um, there's lots and lots of different examples of things that... And it's not just uh, about your, your clients. It's also about you and yourself and what you're charging in comparison to other businesses of the same. Absolutely. And we've also got some interesting information on innovation and, you know, better management practices of businesses that are successful. And we're able to link that data to, um, you know, showing 
um, the links between um, good management practices and innovation and business outcomes. So you know, lots and lots of variety of different things that we collect. Um, love to see people using it more often. And, and we're doing a bit of work, a bit more work as well to look at how can we make it even easier and more accessible. And we have got a new website um, coming in a few months. Um, and there is a beta version. If you look right at the top of our web page at the moment, you can click on our beta site and by all means have a bit of a play in there and give us some feedback because we're actually not far off from actually getting that um, new website. I think it might be September that that comes live. So Oh, that's uh, fantastic. Love to give feedback. Well, John, there's lots of ways that we can interact with the ABS, in particular looking at the data, but ways that we can look at the beta testing and uh, of a new website. Um, and I'm really pleased to say that you're going to be, or someone from the ABS is going to be a regular guest on Small Biz Matters, updating us on really pertinent data that's in- informative for small business, not only for our growth, but for our very survival during these times. Where's the best way that people can find out more about the ABS? Oh, look, um, as I mentioned, go and have a plan on the website. But importantly, we have some fantastic social media channels. So if you're just looking for those kind of um, snip, snippets of uh, really interesting data, our um, Twitter feed, so if you follow us on Twitter, um, we do LinkedIn, a really nice LinkedIn account with a bit more detail. All of our releases come through there. Instagram people love because we actually put out in, in, infographics on Instagram, on our Instagram feed. Again, really bite-sized, consumable things that people can kind of really quickly take in. So, um, And actually Facebook's the other one. So we've got all four of those channels humming in terms of the social side and um, lots of easy ways to consume. Or, or I'd just say on top of all that, jump on the website and just have an explore because, you know, it's not that scary. Well, thanks again for joining us, John. I really appreciate you taking the time. No worries at all, Lexi. It's been really a great pleasure to be back on your show. We look forward to having more guests from the ABS sharing their boffin knowledge of all those statistics and that data, which can be so useful to small business. You're listening to Small Biz Matters here on Triple H 100.1 FM. If you've missed any of today's program, you can catch up via our website, smallbizmatters.com.au, on iTunes, podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you ingest your podcasts, where there are over 150 small business education topics just like this one. Make sure you catch up with us next week for another couple of fantastic guests here on Small Biz Matters. You've been listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you all next week.